This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Welcome to episode 150 of the Grace Enough podcast. I am your host, Amber Cullum, and this week I sit down with a dream guest, the host of the Happy Hour podcast, Jamie Ivey. In March of 2017, I was driving to Knoxville, Tennessee for a girls' weekend when I listened to the Happy Hour for the first time. My husband had been listening to podcasts for years, and I had tuned in on occasion, but it wasn't until listening to Jamie that I thought, I do enjoy podcasts. Fast forward to 2019, when I launched Grace Enough Podcast, and today I thank God for the opportunity to interview an inspiration and dream guest about being who God created you to be helping our children walk in that confidence as well, and choosing to cheer on your friends, even when it's hard. In addition to podcasting, Jamie is a speaker and author. Today, we talk about her first children's book, God Made You to Be You, which I highly recommend. If you were encouraged by today's conversation, will you consider sharing it with a friend via text, email, or on social media. As we begin, I want you to know that the woman you listen to on the happy hour each week truly is the woman who sat with me for today's conversation. Jamie was kind, personable, funny, and encouraging. When our conversation came to an end, I paused and thanked God for Jamie. Good morning, Jamie, and welcome to the Grace Enough podcast. So happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Amber. Oh, you're welcome. I'm so excited. And I'm sure everyone listening is excited as well. And so I won't waste too much time because I want to hear a little bit of your story of coming to know Christ. I feel like a lot of people listening may know if they read your first book, if you only knew. But just give us a little bit of overview of um, when you began walking with Jesus. Yeah. So I grew up in a home that went to church all the time. Both my parents were Christians. We went to church every single week, Sundays, Sunday nights, Wednesday nights, all the things. And that was all of my elementary and up into my middle school years as well. Uh, And so I would have said that I was a Christian. I walked down the aisle when I, I don't know, fifth grade, maybe was baptized all the things. And then I got to high school And I began to really not look or act like a Christian at all. And it wasn't even so much that I was like backsliding. And this is all like looking back, like 2020 vision, like perfect looking back. I look back and I'm like, it's not even like I was like a Christian who was just making bad choices. I didn't have hardly any fruit in my life that would have Mm -hmm. been a, a Christ bearing person. And so 
that journey about my sophomore year in high school, um, I became sexually active. I started drinking a lot, partying, and I kind of lived a double life because I still went to church with my parents on Sundays. I still was in FCA. I think I was like president of FCA my senior year. And so I was doing all of the things that a church girl would do, Mm -hmm. but I was also doing all the other things that a non-church girl would do. And so it was very confusing as I got into college, because when I got into college, I was like, Oh, I'm on my own. You know, like I don't have to go to church on Sunday. Like no one will know. And so I remember my freshman year of college, I went to a private Christian university and, uh, showing up to the uh, cafeteria in your pajamas when everyone else is coming in from church is just one big shame fest. It's like, wow, I just got up and it's 1145 and you guys have already been to church. Um, (laughs) And so I, I don't think lot. you're alone. I think there I are other people. <laughs> so I knew a lot about God. I would have known exactly what to say. I just don't think I had any kind of fruit that would have been, um, and it, it would have been like part of my faith. And so I tried really hard to be good. I remember I had, I got pregnant in college actually and moved home, uh, when I was 19. And I remember after that, it was kind of like this, uh, it was kind of the bottom for me where I was like, okay, so all this is kind of caught up with me and I'm going to just try to be good. Like this is, this is how I was going to solve my problem. I was just going to be a good girl. And so I tried really hard to just be good. And that just wasn't working and it was too hard to be good. And it wasn't solving any of my problems and it wasn't filling this hole in my heart. Uh, but when I was, I think I was 21, I went, or maybe 20, I can't remember. I went to the passion conference and it was one of the first years that they ever had it. And it was there. Yes. Yes. It was there that God just totally wrecked my life. And I say that it was at that point in my life that I fully surrendered and said, I'm going mm-hmm. to follow you, Jesus. I, I don't just want to try to be a good girl. I don't just want to try to follow some of the rules. Some of the times I want to trust you with my life and I want mm-hmm. a relationship. And I, um, I made that decision there and that's where my faith journey begins for me. Yeah. Well, I mean, will you say though, like, cause I have such a similar experience with high school college. That's kind of when it really took root that you can see that uh-huh. thread of God's faithfulness, even back through high school. Yeah, I totally can. And you know, now that I'm parenting older kids, there is this kind of like, what does this journey look like for them? And I mean, faith, I don't mean making bad choices. I just mean our faith journey. Uh-huh. And I remember when my husband, Aaron, and I got married, I went through this season where I was so confused as to when I became a Christian. I mean, I, I grew up Southern Baptist and I, and like you, you pray that a, prayer girl. <laughs> oh, you got to pray the prayer and you don't have a date in your Bible. You might not be saved, you know? And so I just went through this little bit of a crisis of like, when did I become a Christian? Yeah. And my husband is, he was so kind and so funny. And he, he was like, okay, I see that you're struggling with this. Do you love Jesus? And I was like, yes, mm-hmm. with everything. Do you follow him? Yes. With everything. Is he your Lord? Yes. You want to serve him? Yes. He goes, I don't know why you need a date. Like th- this yeah. is just like a mute point, Jamie. Why do you need a date? And I'm like, I don't know. I just feel like I need something to say. This is when I became a follower of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is just kind of oversimplifying it because aren't we, I mean, for me, I'm like, I'm always falling more in right. love with Jesus and following him. And I do have that specific moment at that conference where something clicked in my head And I made a change, not just in my lifestyle, my lifestyle did change, but it was an overflow from a relationship with the Lord. And so I don't have a date unless I were to get to put like whatever that date of the passion conference was, which I don't even remember. And so that even has come into our parenting, like with how we're parenting our kids with following Jesus. Like 
I'm not big into like, this is a whole nother conversation that we don't need to go into, but I'm just like, not big into like, let's sit down and pray this prayer. I'm really big into let's grow and fall into following Jesus. Mm-hmm. Well, and I love that because Greg Kokel, who actually was on my show today, he was talking about this very thing. And he said, you know, we're so trained as evangelicals to adopt. We have this mindset of harvesting when we really need to have more of a mindset of gardening mm. as we're always somebody may be sowing and somebody may be reaping, but this like moment in time really shouldn't be our mindset. And he's like, there's no altar calls in the new Testament. And there's so not, I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Whoa, which is comforting. I think for us yes. who are walking with Jesus and we're trying to share our faith with our friends, you know what I mean? It's Absolutely. like, I don't need to share my faith with a friend and say, okay, like, Hey, I just wonder, know if you want to like bow your head and pray. Now, again, I'm not mocking that or saying there's anything wrong with it. I'm just saying, we also get to have this freedom as believers where we're like, we get to invite you into this journey with Jesus. And I think that like the Holy spirit is really, really powerful and can do way more than we ever could obviously. And so we just get to point people to the one that saves and we don't feel, have to feel the pressure to make Mm -hmm. that happen. And as a parent that was a moment for me when I realized I could not save my kids. Oh, like and yes. on the flips, I can't save them. And I also can't send them. I can't damn them either. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like it's like, you, if you can save your kids, you can also damn them. And so let's just make this real clear. Like so we, true. we do not have the power for either one of those, which is a relief to us as parents. Yeah. And we're going to talk about that a little bit because you have a children's book that really comes out of your second book, UBU. But before we get there, I mean, because you're like, come on, you're the Christian podcasting. OG. let's go girl. Let's talk a little <laughs> bit about Thank that. You. Um, and so what is it like to look back on where the happy hour began and what it is now? I mean, what does that even feel like? It's crazy. Just we're recording this in the middle of a week. And just on Sunday, we record, we um, hosted our first ever live gift guide. So we've been doing these gift guides for the past seven years, but we had a live one. And so it was at that event on Sunday night, I was kind of upstairs in this green room and everyone was downstairs setting things up. And I just had this moment. I was talking to my friend, Jessica Honiger, who's with me. And I was like, isn't this crazy? Like, this is so crazy that there are amazing people who I get to work with, who are on my team. Like, it's not just me anymore. And it really is just looking back, like, God, you're so kind because I didn't plan for this. I didn't go to school for this. I didn't show up for this, which the great thing is anyone can podcast these days. And I love it. I am a fan of it. I'm like, let's all do it because there's enough ears in the world to hear all of our shows. And so I'm a big fan of it, but it is kind of crazy to look back and think, wow, I started in at my dining room table. And then I moved to a little closet in my house house, and now I'm at an office space and it's just that's crazy and fun. Yeah. I, I say, I'm sure that you feel this as well. I say I have the best job in the world. Yes, it is. I love to connect with people. So it's a wonderful job. But I mean, you know, it's like, I didn't like podcasts until I found your show. So oh, there you go. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, my husband's been listening like forever and I, he would yeah. always try to get me to listen. And I'm like, I don't want to listen to this American life. And then somebody <laughs> was like, listen to the happy hour. And I there said, okay, go. I can listen to that. That's where I started two years and years and years ago with this American life. Yes, girl. Yeah far back. And then cereal yep. came along and we all fell in love with podcasts, yep. right? Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cereal, cereal. And, uh, that same year cereal came out and the iPhone put uh podcast yes. app in their operating system. And I had been podcasting for a couple months and I look back and think that was one of the best things that happened 
to me as to mm-hmm. already be a podcaster when those two things happen, wow. because all of a sudden people went, wait, what's a podcast? And they're listening to serial. And I'm like, and then they figure out they I can do it one. on their phone. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. That is awesome. Well, so the reality is though, is that podcasting has been a tool that God has used in your life really to lead ministry. And it's very different than a lot of the people you set across the microphone from. And I know that at times that has been a struggle for you, their role and your role and how all of that comes together. And so talk a little bit about you settling into this is who God has made me to be. Um, I get to do podcasting it to lead ministry. Now you get to write and kind of wrestling through the tension of, oh, but they have something that I would like to have. Such a good question. I read that this morning when I was looking over what you sent me and I thought, man, that is a good question because that is something that I have wrestled with. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say that that does not pop up as much for me anymore. I feel really like secure in who I am and what I'm doing. But when I first started, I mean, I remember like the first time I interviewed Lisa Turkhurst and I'm like, I can't believe that I'm about to sit down with the Lisa Turkhurst. I mean, it was just in the beginning, it was just like one thing after another, where I kept thinking, I can't believe that I get to talk to fill in the blank. And it's just every like amazing Christian leader that you could think of, Mm -hmm. like a lot of them I've been able to sit down and chat with. I think that the tension for me rose up when I started speaking more. Mm. And so, um, I feel very secure in podcasting, like really secure. I, right. I feel like I've created my own lane, my own way. I feel confident in how I do my job. I feel secure there, real secure. Uh, it was when I started getting asked to speak that I struggled a lot with who am I? Mm-hmm. I would remember going into an event and I would think, do they want happy hour, Jamie? Or do they want like open the Bible and teach Jamie? Do they want funny Jamie? Do they want serious Jamie? Well, I, I've watched all these people speak. I am not like Beth or Lisa or Crystal or Priscilla or fill in any blank. And right. that's just not who I am. And so I struggled with that a lot. And it has been because of some really great older women speaking into my life who have really just kind of looked me in the eyes and said, if anyone invites you to do anything, it's because they want you like they don't want you. If they wanted that person, guess what? They would have invited her. Yeah, And they want you and they want what you bring to the table. And so I've kind of had to learn to get, to let go of this kind of like, you know, there's this false humility where you're like, Mm -hmm. oh, I could never be that. And you're really, it's full of pride. I really had to own if they invited me, they, they want me. Mm -hmm. And I think that women can take that and men for sure in anything that you're doing. You know, if someone invites you to be a part of a, a, uh, community group, if someone invites you to be on a committee, if someone invites you to this event that they're hosting, obviously there's sometimes you're like, Oh, it's like, she's having to invite me because I invited her to whatever. There's all there's sometimes, but there's always a nuance. (laughs) There's always a nuance in everything, but in most of life, I mean, we should go, I think they wanted me here. That's why they invited me. And that's been something that I've really had to grow into is trusting. Um, if someone wants me at something, I mean, I'm speaking at something in a couple of weeks And there's literally like two women on the whole thing. And it's for pastors and leaders. And I'm nervous, Nancy. I mean, I literally am already nervous about it. And I have to fight the lies that say they're mistaken. I don't know how you got on this list. Like Mm. how that they must've thought you were somebody, all of these lies. And so I'm still fighting those of saying, you know what? They wanted you here. That's why they invited you. 
That's so right. just step up there and do your best. And I have a friend who, this is something I love. And this is go for a lot of industry. People could think about this. Every time I would get up to speak, she would say, you have nothing to lose and nothing to prove. Mm. And yeah. I was like, oh, because I would feel like I have to prove that I'm worthy to be on the same stage with fill in the blank mm. or I'll lose, you know, credibility. And really like for me, as someone who speaks at faith-based events and I speak about Jesus, I like not to be cheesy, but he's like the only one that I'm like really worried about what he thinks about me. Right. And I, that sounds very cheesy, but it's honestly true. And I have to tell myself that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I think sometimes too, we pray and pray for something and then God gives us the opportunity to step into it. And then we're like, but we're not worthy. And I think God sometimes up there going, but, but I'm actually saying yes to what you've been praying for. I'm leading you into where I want you to do ministry. And you're like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. And then we're like, why aren't you answering our prayers? Like I have. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. For the last few weeks, you have heard me talking about Compelled Podcast. If you haven't checked it out yet, then you really should. I love listening to Compelled and I'm certain you would too. Their show is full of encouraging and powerful stories about how God is transforming the lives of Christians around the world. They use music and sound effects to make the story really come to life and immerse you in the journey. One of my favorite stories from last season was Virginia Proden. She's a human rights attorney in communist Romania who came face to face with an assassin sent to kill her for defending Christians. When the assassin walked into the room with her, she was forced to do the only thing she knew was left. But I'm not telling you what that was. You'll have to listen yourself. It's episode number 31 with Virginia Froden. Listen to Virginia's powerful testimony and many more like it by searching Compelled on your favorite podcast app or by visiting compelledpodcast.com. Your book, UBU, that can come across as such a, you know, popular mantra nowadays. And I know that's not what you mean by it. And so flesh that out a little bit. What do you mean by you be you? Yeah. You know, when we were titling this book, which I never knew until a couple of years ago, how much work goes into that process. Um, when we were titling this book, we went all around and around and around about a lot of things. And as I was writing this book, um, I always write a book with a title in my head knowing good and well, it's never going to be the title, but it's just what my process is. And this title for this book, while I was writing, it was bloom where you're planted. There's a whole chapter called that. There's a whole story about us really, um, living out where God has put us in the world. And so that was kind of my thought process when I was writing this book. But when I also was writing this book, I kept saying out loud, this is going to be so dumb and your listeners welcome to my crazy life. But I would always write and I'd be like, you be you boo. Like I just, you be you boo. And you're right. Like I got a lot of kind of like pushback from people in the publishing team of like, are you sure we want to say this? Because it sounds like you just be whoever you want to be. And my thing was, that's not what this book is, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, 
this book is about, I want you to be the woman that God has created you to be. It goes back to the conversation that you and I just had about, you know, my nerves or my insecurity about being who God asked me to be. And God never created me to be like Crystal Hurst. And he never created me, Mm -hmm. you know, to be like Amber. He, He never created me to be like these people. He created me to be me. And he gave me gifts and he gave me talents and he gave me a calling and he put me in Austin, Texas at this time to do ministry here. And so the book was birthed out of me seeing women really looking around and wanting to be anybody but themselves, Mm -hmm. Um, wanting to have anyone else's gifts, except for the ones they've been given, wanting to have anyone else's job, marriage, children, Mm -hmm. location, fill in the blank. And we live in a culture that is sometimes telling women, you can go be whoever you want to be. And listen, I understand that. And I have probably even said things like that before, but, but I take it a step further because I have this belief that we're only enough because of Jesus. My step further from you can go be whatever you want to be is a little bit of a false like reality here because mm-hmm. you only get to be who God's created you to be. Mm-hmm. And so, so there's true. No- there's no like, go find your destiny, go make your way, go, go, go build your platform. All of these things, like God has already put good works in you for an appointed time is when you live. And so I just want women to, to a stop believing the lies that they're not enough B stop believing the lies that she has everything and you have nothing. And then see, I want women to stand up and do something. And I'm not saying like, get out there and change the world. I'm saying, get out there and change the world with what God has asked you to do. Yeah. And for a lot of people that looks so different. You and I both host podcasts, podcasts. This is where God has put us in our ministry, but you know what? Like I have four kids. That's right. Asked me to do things with these four kids that nobody knows about. Mm -hmm. You know, I volunteer once a week at a a homeless facility that feeds people. That's a, that's a faithfulness call that God's put on my life Mm -hmm. that he hasn't asked everyone else to do. That's Mm -hmm. something he's asking me to do with my gifts and talents to be faithful with that. So the book, you be you, although the title can feel a little confusing. It really is just like, man, I want you more than anything as a woman to be the woman that God has created you to be. So I hope that um, people aren't turned off by it and they check it out and read it. Cause I think it's really encouraging. Yeah. uh, Once you dive into it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then just even thinking like that idea of go change the world, sometimes the, the, we hear preach so often, like change the world, change the world. And it's like, you know, the world may be literally your cul-de-sac. 100%, 100%. And I, and I, I say that all the time is like, we have this idea that, um, well, we measure success by mm-hmm. what the, the culture tells us is successful. Yep. And so for me, well, is success selling, you know, thousands and thousands of books because I'm an author. So I'll, I'll talk about myself is success selling thousands of thousands of books. Well, people say that it is, but what if, what if I'm just faithful to what God asked me to write? And it's Mm -hmm. not, it doesn't sell a lot of books because it's difficult, you know, or success, success would say like, I have four kids to be a successful mom right now. None of them are doing drugs, looking at porn, having sex, and they all leave the house and they go to college and they get great jobs and they make great spouses and they love God forever. But what if that doesn't happen? Am I a failure? Instead of looking at it like that, we have to look at about it. You know what? Like, of course I want all those things for my kids, but the number one thing I want is to be faithful. Mm. And so for me, faithfulness as a mom looks different than some other people, you know? And so I just want women to chase faithfulness more than we're chasing success. Mm, Good word. And as you're talking about what, what we were talking about earlier with, you know, just insecurity and just that feeling sometimes that people get that they're not enough, um, 
you know, part of that is a result of the sin sick world that we live in yet God has equipped us to do exactly what he has called us to do, which is ultimately to make disciples, to mm-hmm. teach people, um, not just about that salvation is in him, but how to walk with him and how to live life with him. And so what are some ways that you have learned to stand up against that insecurity, that discontentment that you were sharing a little bit you know, about earlier? You said, obviously, there's women who've spoken into your life, but what are some other things? Yeah, I've, I've realized over the past couple of years that I've been doing the job that I have, I've been doing this seven years, is there have been a lot of opportunities for me to feel discontent in what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Because like you mentioned, I get to interview a lot of amazing people. And so there could be this tension of like, huh, look at all she or he is doing. Mm -hmm. I'm just terrible over here. Woe is me. Or even the envy, you know, like I am discontent with my life and I envy what your life looks like. And so those are something that all of all people have to battle. You know, like you said, they are just a part of this world that we live in. That's a fallen world. So these are things that we all have to battle. So for me, I have taken on that battle. Like I am going to fight this battle until the day I die, because as soon as I stop fighting it is when Satan takes over and like, I just succumb to it. And I'm just, it's over. But one of the best ways for me personally that I have found to fight this is to really, really, really truly intentionally be a cheerleader for those that are around mm. me. Yeah. And I found that when I'm cheering on somebody else, uh, like for example, if I'm cheering you on Amber, like, and I'm not just like fake cheering, I'm like a fan I and, and not a, a weird fan. I'm like, I'm for you. Like, I want your success. I want you to do great. I love what you're doing. Jealousy and envy are, they really have a hard time standing up against that sincere cheerleading. True. And so it is a, it's a battle tactic for me is mm-hmm. I love cheering on women and I love encouraging them. And I love elevating uh, people and their platforms and what they're doing. I really, truly love it. It's also very much a battle tactic for me of how do I intentionally take my eyes off of myself and put them on other people uh, Mm -hmm. and cheer for them. And so I've just found that um, as women, if we can notice and name what is causing us to be discontent and envy and jealous, and then kind of find how do we fight that with um, obviously scripture and prayer and you know, Paul talks about the the only way he fought discontentment was through Jesus, realizing that Jesus was all things for him, obviously all of those things, but then a practical way would be like, Mm -hmm. how do I actually be for that person, Mm -hmm. that mom that I think just has all of her stuff together. And I'm really, really intimidated by her, you know, or that person that's in your same field and then develop this idea of, I'm going to cheer for them. Like I'm going to really, really encourage them. And you'll notice a heart shift. Your heart will start to shift towards that person and your heart will start to shift towards God and what he has for you. And I've just found it to be very helpful in fighting against that. I love that. Cause I know, I mean, obviously you and Lisa Whittle are really great friends and that's something I love Lisa Whittle. And that's something that, I mean, she has quite a bit of, well, a whole chapter dedicated to, in her new book, the hard good. And so just putting a lit out there, you know, read that as well, because she's all about being a cheerleader for other people. And it really does change your perspective. It really does. And y'all for real read that book before you read mine. It's so, so good. <laughs> I love Lisa. Well, that was sweet. Okay. So God made you to be you is the sweetest little book that came out of you be you. And so can I just say, 
I love the writing, but the illustrations are oh, just top notch. I know. I know. This is why I've said so many times when talking about this book is it feels like I got to be a part of like the best group project that's ever been invented. I uh, have a co-writer, Tama, who really helped me craft the story in a beautiful way. And then we picked David as the illustrator. And um, cool thing about David, I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this. <laughs> he I've never met him. I don't know who he is. We literally there's. I didn't know this either. There's just places you go online to search for illustrators. Like who knew? That's awesome. I know. And so that shows you all the works they're doing. And we knew that our main character was a cactus and we knew that all the other uh, supporting characters were animals. And so I really wanted someone to capture that really well. And I fell in love with his style and he sent us an email, the whole team, the publishing team and stuff afterwards and said that normally when he finishes a project and sends it off, he like prays over it. So he's a Christian and oh he's like, gosh. and I'm so honored to work on this project. And I just like, I still give myself goosebumps when I think about that because we didn't know him. I mean, right. you know, like we literally picked him from an online portfolio and I, I cannot get over his work. I literally cannot get over his work. I love it. I mean, in my, so I was, I've read it to both my nine-year-old and my five-year-old. And I mean, it really does captivate their attention. The story does. But because the illustrations go along with it so well, you can't help but pay attention. And so I, I love mean, that. I, I, I know. It's just I get to be so proud over this book, too, because we all three worked really hard on it. So, well, and it reminds me a lot of Eric Carl's The Mixed Up Chameleon, which, yep. but it's a God centered. So it's yeah. great. If you like Eric Carl, you're going to love this book. Um, so, why is this message so important for not just adults, but for kids, too? Yeah, you know, this this message came out of the book. We've been talking about UBU. And um, I really started thinking, I've been a Christian for, you know, 21 years, 22 years. Um, and I'm still having to remind myself, like our whole conversation we've just had today, that God has a purpose for me, that he has a plan for my life, that he has given me gifts and talents, that I do make a difference in my family, in my community, in my church. And I was like, man, if I'm still having to remind myself of this, what would it look like to create something that helps set this foundation for our kids? Because as parents, I mean, we spend a lot of our time telling them, well, to do things, but then we also spend a lot of our time, <laughs> you know, trying to invest these truths in them. And so it really is just an honor of mine to play a small part in, in homes around the world that will be reading this book, because the truth of it is, is that this cactus feels different. His name is Sammy. He feels different. And he wishes that he was different. He wishes he was more like his friends. Mm -hmm. And this is something that has captivated humanity since the beginning of time is wishing that we had what we don't have. And we see it all the way back in the, you know, Genesis. And so Sammy's friends come along and remind him of the truths. And I think this is a great foundation building tool mm -hmm. for our kids that we get to just read a fun book about a cactus and his friends mm -hmm. and also let them have some really foundational theologically rich truths about how God created them with a purpose. Yeah. Well, and what I love is that mama's grandmama's, um, Listen, my daughter came downstairs early one morning. I was preparing questions for Jamie. I started reading this book out loud to her and she had been struggling with, she's a middle child. Um, I'm not my brother, mm. you know, my brother's this and my brother's that, and I'm not him, you know, I'm getting a little bit sassy with me about it. And after we read this, it was like, nobody wants you to be your brother. Yeah. Nobody wants you to be your little brother. Nobody mm. wants you to be daddy or mommy. We want you to be you. We want you to be who God has created you to be. And so you got to help us with that sometimes when we step out of line. 
Yeah. And we're trying to force you to be somebody uh-huh. else. Yeah. So I love hearing that. Yeah. Go buy the book, mommies and grandmommies <laughs> and <laughs> aunts you. and uncles and all the people. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's right. And so another theme that I really see in this book is how friends can come alongside friends or siblings or whatever, and really encourage the gifts that God has given them. And you talked about that a little bit in cheering on your friends, but um, as we close out, speak to that a little bit more in the lives of children, how we can kind of help them to celebrate the gifts they see in their friends. Yeah. That was one of my favorite parts about this book as well as we definitely have Sammy, the cactus who is going through this. But then I was like, his friends got to step up to the plate. Like they got to do what we are supposed to do as followers of Jesus. And then when we see someone not believing what is true, we remind them of what is true. Um, I'm going to read just two pages in the book. If sure. Okay. Please okay. do. Please so do. Sammy, uh, Sammy is going through this whole process and he realizes um, he can't jump or slither or fly all the things. And then he says this, I don't see one thing that is special about me. I am sticky stuck here. I'm just stuck being me. Well, Jackrabbit listened to Sammy and then with a twitch of her ears declared, this has to end. These things that you're thinking, they're simply not true. Our lives wouldn't be quite the same without you. And so Jackrabbit comes in and tells that to him. And then a couple of pages of the book are the other characters telling him, this is what you do for us. This is what you provide for us. This is how you love us. And I love that so much because it is another great truth that we can talk to our kids about of really starting to identify, Mm -hmm. um, great characteristics traits that we see in our friends. So not even just like you're great at kicking the soccer ball, which is a great compliment or, you know, you're great at baking cupcakes, another great compliment. But what if we took time to, to teach our kids to say like, man, you are really kind to that person at lunch. Mm -hmm. You didn't have anyone to sit with. I mean, I'm still talking with my kids about things like that, you know, and I just hope that as parents where our hope is that we're just setting the stage and the foundation over and over again. And then we just pray that when they leave our house and they head to college, which is where I am right now, I got one kid as a senior. I'm just like on the edge of tears every day. Um, (laughs) And our prayer is just that this foundational truths will just, they will be sturdy in the, in the storms that they might endure outside of our house. Yeah. And I mean, it does take training, right? Like. I just think about Philippians 4, 16 and whatever is lovely, honorable, admirable. And I'm shocked sometimes that I don't even know how to identify Mm. every single one of those things. Like what is around, what is in someone that's lovely? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, and so teaching them to notice those things is fantastic. Well, lastly, because um, this podcast is about grace, I love to ask you know, how have you experienced the sufficiency of God's grace in your life? You can take that big picture. You can take that currently, whatever comes to mind. You know, um, I don't know if I told you, but my kids are 17, 16, 15, and 13. So we're in the midst of parenting teenagers, four teenagers. And, you don't even um, need to say anything else. That's it. God's <laughs> grace is evident that we've made it this far. Um, and right now in this stage, we love our kids. They're lovely. They're great kids. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's also really hard sometimes. And so um, it's a lot it's, of emotions, a lot of emotions. And I will say an interesting thing happened in the last week. Um, this, this is way too much information than you asked. And I'm just going to go for it. Please. So I was please. scheduled to interview Dave and Ann Wilson. They have a book called no perfect parent. I believe that's what it's called. It's really good. Highly recommend it. So I was scheduled to interview Dave and Ann Wilson and had a terrible morning at home. 
really sad over some things, really, mm. really kind of like giving into worry and anxiety, which is where I go when things get really hard and was just like, drove myself to work. Well, I drive myself to work every day. I don't know how else I would get here, but I got to work <laughs> and I was just a mess. I mean, Amber, I was just literally a mess and I had already rescheduled with them twice before because of scheduling conflicts. And so I was like, I've got to do this. I got to do this, Jamie, get yourself together. Like you can do this. And I just been crying a lot. And I, I texted Anne and I said, cause we're friends. I said, Hey, I need five more minutes. It's been a really hard morning. Ugh. And she said, we can reschedule if you want. And that gave me the permission to reschedule. Cause I'm like, okay, okay. So I called her and, um, I had been crying. I, I literally was like, get yourself together. Like you have to do this interview. This is your job. Stop crying <laughs> Put on your big girl panties. I mean, I was That's totally right. trying to talk myself into something that was never going to work without oh. Jesus and the Holy spirit. And so I call Anne and I'm like, I'm so sorry. And they were so gracious. And I just filled her in just a split second about what was causing me this. And Anne prayed for me on the phone. Mm. And like, I still get a little weary, uh, a little weepy when I think about that, because in that moment, I was trying so hard to get myself together. I was like, Jamie, do your job. It's all you, you have one job today, interview this couple. Like I literally was like trying to talk to myself and I couldn't, like, I literally just couldn't do it. And Anne prayed the most beautiful prayer over me. And then I didn't interview them. And then I just spent the rest of the day, literally in my office, like praying and listening to yeah. worship music and just really trying to like know that I couldn't get myself together, that I needed God to do it. That's right. And so that was just this small moment of, I'm so grateful for a friend who would pray for me. And it was just, God just, I felt so loved in mm -hmm. a really, really hard day. So, so practical. So I can't practical. even believe I just shared all that moment of me crying in my office and trying to get myself together, but girl, it's real life. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Are you kidding me? Like real right. life. Well, thanks so much, Jamie. This has been awesome. And again, guys, it's God made you to be you. And so it will be connected in show notes and you all know where you can find Jamie. I have to tell you the day Jamie spoke about crying at the office was the first day I was supposed to interview her. She canceled and I found myself praying for her yet disappointed. I was able to share that with her once we stopped recording and it was a tender moment. I share that as a reminder that God is faithful. I was disappointed when Jamie first canceled, but realized I had no idea what was taking place in her life. So I prayed for her and her family. A week later, we sat down and I learned about her day and was in awe of God's faithfulness. So pray for people when unexpected circumstances arise. And share this episode, please. Thank you for listening to the Grace Enough Podcast. Tune in next time.